You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Play Fantasy Spaceball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. We are a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D. Mindy here, all by myself. Because, uh, of course, Little Cheesecake is on a little bit of a hiatus back hopefully soon and the doc of course he's in his corporate america mode today did record the main segment of the pod but he's got to button up his collared shirt he's got to be the working man so you'll hear him in the episode but he will not be with me in the intro so hope you enjoy hearing my voice for at least a couple minutes we got a great show planned for you guys today as we get to talk atc projections and second half predictions with a fun field all-star weekend in the past, it's behind us. It's time to get back to the business at hand. That is the fantasy baseball grind. And as we get ready for this second half, we're going to take a look at some projections we have for some of these baseball players in the second half. But we're also going to look at how you make projections in the first place to begin with. And there's no better man for that than the man behind one of the best projection systems in the game today joining the show. That is Ariel Cohen and his ATC projections. So make sure you stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which player do you wish participated in the home run derby but didn't? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it! Yeah! Right. So a lot of news has happened since we last talked. So we're going to catch up a little bit. Brave star Ronald Acuna Jr. was carted off the field after suffering a torn ACL in his right leg uh, earlier this week in a game against the Marlins. He's going to miss the rest of the season after undergoing surgery. The uh, Jeff Passan of ESPN.com has reported the timeline is supposed to be nine to 10 months. So it's very likely that Acuna will miss the start of the 2022 campaign. So I think the question becomes, are you taking Acuna in the first round or is he falling out of your first round? For me, I'm probably not taking him until the early second round. Personally, I think he's most likely to miss the first maybe month or so of the season. And just for that reason, I think that the production is going to be more of a second round pick, especially if it takes a little bit of time to adjust and get his feet under him there. So that's for me. But again, it's kind of one of the things we'll have to look at in the off season. The Padres announced that right-hander Yu Darvish has been placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to July 9th with left hip inflammation. It's known that he wasn't going to pitch in the all-star game, uh, but assuming the IL stint is the minimum 10 days, he actually won't miss a start and he'll be back 
right after the All-Star break for his regular start. That can't be said for the southpaw of the Padres, Ryan Weathers, who was removed with an apparent right knee injury. Harris, he avoided a major injury, but is expected to be out a rather uh, matter of weeks. So no specific timeline yet, but again, he's going to be out at least for a little bit. Speaking of the All-Star stuff, we do have to talk about Pete Alonso and his amazing home run derby showing. Your boy picked Trey Mancini to win and at one point was going to put $400 on it to win about $4,500. I did not. And when he was in the finals, I was actually uh, pulling my hair out, <laughs> like, wishing I had made the bet, but now I'm glad I didn't. Uh, but very happy for Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso looks like he's built for this. He should compete every single year. And Trey Mancini in his own right did an absolute amazing job coming back from cancer. It was beautiful. Uh, the AL beat the NL yet again. They just completely dominate the NL every single year. Vladdy Jr., the MVP, and just continuing his stellar season. Uh, I just, again, I, I didn't really watch much of the All-Star game. I think the All-Star game's kind of like, eh, we'll watch the Shohei Otani pitch the first inning and go up to bat. But after that, there's not much excitement in the All-Star game. You will hear in this episode some exciting things to the All-Star weekend that Ariel, myself, and Doc all thought should get added in and I think would make the All-Star weekend a lot more fun. So uh, just stay tuned for all that great All-Star talk that we'll talk about. The Mariners announced that they selected the contract of catching prospect Cal Raleigh. All-star Southpaw Yusei Kikuchi was placed on the COVID-19 injured list uh, to make room for him. I think he actually already got sent back down. So that's already pretty funny, the fact that they just manipulated that easily. So right now, speaking about Cal Raleigh, who was a third-round pick out of Florida State in 2018, the switch hitting backstop was one of the games, or is one of the game's most promising young catchers. So you probably will see him again soon. Again, right now, already sent back down, but we'll see what happens. And of course, I had anytime I see Cole Hamels, I got to throw him out there. Free agent, left-hander Cole Hamels held a showcase in front of teams. He's or he's going to be holding a showcase in front of teams right now. It is July 15th. He's expected to hold a showcase on July 16th on uh, on Friday. So that's tomorrow. The Dodgers are among the teams who will be in attendance to watch. So I do think it's something to monitor. Obviously, the Dodgers need an arm. You don't know what Cole Hamels is going to be at this point. But again, it is very interesting to watch if he actually does get picked up by a major league team, if he will give you some innings, uh, especially with pitching as dirt as it is right now in this point in the season. So just keep an eye on that. But if you enjoy hearing my voice this much, which to be honest, I don't, but maybe you do. I don't know what you're into, but make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button wherever you find your podcast. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football and a basketball show you can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content, hook the boys up with a five-star rating and review. We truly appreciate that. Check us out on all our socials, of course, at Trip Play Fantasy. You see Doc tweeting about things you don't care about. They inter- get interactions somehow. And he can't defend himself today, which is awesome. Uh, we got, of course, our website, TripPlayFantasy.com. Tons of great articles you'll see on there. And, of course, our YouTube channel. You can just type in Trip Play Fantasy on YouTube. We've got movie minutes. We've got uh, fantasy football player breakdowns, prospect breakdowns for baseball, pitcher duels, uh, anything you want. It's on the Triple Play Fantasy YouTube channel. Please subscribe if you're not already. We truly appreciate each and every single one of your subscriptions and support. And remember, if you are looking for a podcast that will make you a lean, mean, fantasy fighting machine. Actually, no, I don't think I said that right. Hopefully, we're not fighting machines anytime soon. Global warming isn't the biggest threat to our civilization. It's artificial intelligence. All right, enough with the joking around. We're going to jump into our ATC-themed main segment. Of course, our ATC projections and second-half predictions with Ariel Cohen. 
right after this quick break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Triple Play Fantasy Baseball coming at you on a Thursday afternoon. I love it. The sun is still out. The birds are still chirping. People are walking all across my street. So it's a nice time to be alive. It's a nice time to be talking baseball. Of course, joined by the doc to my left. I always, yeah, there we go. I got it right this time. I got it right this time. I don't uh, know. It, it looks like my right. I don't know. It's, I always get it the wrong way. So I'm happy I got it right. What's up? How you doing this afternoon, man? You know, doing good. A uh, nice little work break to get in and talk some baseball. So what, what better way to spend your lunch? Yeah, and I'm glad your job has that flexibility. Obviously, with me teaching, I have the summer flexibility to do this, but your job definitely coming in clutch right now, especially you talking about clutch. I got to introduce the man at the bottom of the screen here. I almost got it. Almost got it. Uh, but this man, we welcome in a man that is the starting pitcher of the Robins, the commissioner of the Hillcrest Softball League, the 2019 FSWA Baseball Writer of the Year, the owner of the 2020 Article of the Year, five-time nominated, a Tower Wars champion, writer at Fangraphs, CBS and Rotoballer. If that's not enough, he's part of Labor, host of the Beat the Shift podcast, and the creator of the ATC Projections. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Mr. Met, the Crouching Cohen, Hidden Dragon, the man, the myth, the legend, that is, Ariel Cohen. How's it going, my friend? Oh, thank you so much. That was quite an introduction. Wow. Uh, thank you, guys. Hey, man, we're really pumped to have you. I know we were talking a little bit pre-show. I have to give a shout out to uh, Avi Goldstein, who I was on his show on Tuesday. And he told, he was like, you got to bring in that softball stuff in there because he's very familiar with you and the league and that you pitch and everything like that. Uh, he said he hit 800 against your team and that uh, they took it to you guys a little bit. You've been playing for quite a long time, though, right? Yeah, well, I wasn't pitching uh, those days when he hit against us. Uh, that was a different pitcher. I think I was the shortstop back then uh, during those seasons. Uh, yeah, I became a pitcher later on in my olden days, close to 40 now. Um, yeah, it was fun playing Avi. I remember playing him well. His team was, was very good, and our team was good too. I think we squared off every year, and it was a great show every time. He showed me uh, that you guys had like a YouTube channel where you were uh, doing post game interviews and stuff too. Like you guys are legit. Like I, our softball leagues uh, around here like don't <laughs> do anything like that. Well, um, my brother was nice enough to film an entire season, and I think I posted the whole thing on YouTube. If you can somehow find that channel of the Hillcrest Softball League, uh, and yeah, we have literally the whole season. I played either shortstop or third base that season, uh, and uh, we we had a good one. We we finished. I don't know, third place, and we made the playoffs, and uh, we had a run. Uh, but that was great. That was great to – it's always great to watch you on tape. I, I have a guy who, uh, if I play against him now, he tapes uh, all his games. So I get I get little segment, uh, little snippets if I play him uh, of me pitching or throwing or batting or whatever. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. uh, I'm going to look for that YouTube channel. It's going to be what I pregame oh, well, to next time is, I go is, out. Speaking of Avi Goldstein, I popped oh, him up on the screen. He had to make so, sure. <laughs> so his, uh, so his uh, yes, his brother is a great player. Actually, his brother played for my team all the years. 
Uh, he played on the Robins, which is my team. We won two championships with him, one championship without him. Um, but yeah, great player, uh, brother, great hitter, probably more power than you, Avi, uh, not, <laughs> as good, not as good a glove and, and you got a better batting average probably, but, uh, good power hitter. You're a younger brother. Doc, I'm learning that we got to go to Detroit and play in this baseball league, this softball league. Cause it sounds Let's like do it. Gotta, Let's this do it. I have PTO. Uh, hey, New York's even closer. We can take, we can take a train up there. I love it. I love it. Uh, well, of course, we're here to talk about softball, but we're also here to talk about a lot of other great stuff, and that is the ATC projection system and second-half predictions. So a fun-filled All-Star weekend has come to a close. Time to get back to business at hand. That is the fancy baseball grind. And as we get into that second half, we want to take a look at some of the projections as far as not usually necessarily using uh, Ariel's system, but just some guys he might like in the second half. But not just that, we want to look at how he makes his projections at the beginning of the season to begin with. So without further ado, let's dive into this ATC projection system. And I got to know, Ariel, how did you get started making projections in the first place? You know, I, I was playing fantasy baseball, you know, for a number of years since college and, um, you know, playing home leagues at my office at a local synagogue. And... I don't know. I, you know, I'm a numbers guy and, uh, well, I got to start somewhere to, to tell me what good, a, how good a player is. And, you know, uh, what projection system to use? I didn't know which one to use. There was a several available out there on the internet. So I just grabbed them all and I came up with some formula to combine them. And that was the start of the ATC projections. The ATC is not a standalone projection system. It's an aggregation model mm-hmm. where I take a number of projections and I somehow average them, not a straight average. I very smartly study them, which there are some projections that are better for homers. There are some projections that are very good for pitcher strikeouts. Um, Not every projection is worth using for a certain statistic. So I've studied, I've done historical analysis to see which ones work, and I combine them. And that comes up with a very, very good projection system, which I've been ranked number one the last couple of years. I like that. I like that. Throw the flex in there. Number one over the last couple of years. I love it. I love it. Uh, so then, so your projection system, I guess, with answering my next question, um, what makes it different from the other projection systems? The fact that you combine multiple projection systems, which what makes it so great. It's not just looking at one thing that what have one uh, heavily weighs more towards or other thing like that. That's what kind of makes yours different, you'd say? Yeah. I mean, it's a very similar algorithm to what Nate Silver does for his political forecast. Like if you look at his pre- presidential race. Right. He doesn't just say, well, the Rasmussen poll, they're the best. Let's just use them. That's it. No, what he does is he takes Rasmussen and he takes YouGov and I'll take a Fox News poll and an ABC News poll and he'll figure out which ones in which states have the most credibility, which ones uh, are, you know, it it could be very different. Right. It it could be very different in each state, very different for each for each uh, polling outfit. And he finds a way to combine them. And that overall total is a better predictor than any one of itself. You know, the other analogy I use is uh, I do a lot of hurricane modeling uh, at my office right now. And if you've ever seen the projection of a uh, like a three and five day cone of, uh, of the, the storm like coming up and it's like, uh, you know, here's where three days and here's a range of outcomes. Um, or if, if you've ever seen the spaghetti models where here's this track, here's this track, here's this track, but then we have a dotted line of where we think it's going to go, it's very similarly done. You take the different wind speeds from the different models, you take the different temperature from the different models, the wave heights from the different models, and there's a way to aggregate them. The European model is a very, very good hurricane model that gets the most weight. And, you know, things like that. 
and that just makes the best average track. And you'll see if you want if you take that dotted line of the combination of all the different hurricane models over time, that will be the best path to follow. If you're if you're a betting man, you want to bet the average. That's the right betting path. You don't want to just take any one model and say, I like that one. You want to use the wisdom of the crowds. And that's what I do at ATC. And by golly, it really does work. So Eric's a betting man. Eric loves to talk betting. Do you use your projection models to do any type of betting or or, uh, anything like that? I know it's not necessarily something I was put on the show sheet, but I am curious. Just do you use that to your advantage for trying to make bets? Well, I mean, I, I'm not a gambler. Uh, I don't do DFS or anything. I, I don't do prop bets. Uh, I, I, I should say I rarely do prop bets. Prop bets um, are where the money's at, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, very often um, if I see uh, 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 there's a team that's given, let's say, three to one odds on winning the division, and I think it's more like two to one, I'll, I'll bet on that. Um, but uh, no, I, you know, I, I play in high stakes, uh, high stakes league. So yeah, um, I am putting down a couple thousand dollars on uh, season long. But uh, I, I don't do individual bets because, again, the ATC is about betting in the average. Oh, is that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the ATC is betting in the average. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm there to, uh, to look at, at, at not just one item, at, at a lot of items. And when you're doing it over a whole season, that's the, uh, that's the way to do it. Okay. So then I guess the last question I do want to ask about the ATC projection system is, what goes strictly into making your projection system? Again, you, you pull these other projection systems, but is there more than that than just kind of averaging out the projection systems? Like, how do you, how do you go about that? Um, so that, that is the, the general, the general tenet is the averaging. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of what I actually do is it's, you know, historical analysis, it's regressions. I'm regressing on, you know, which, which you know, what uh, system performed the best on the own. And it's not just taking the best system. Sometimes a system gives good information and you may never use it on its own. It may be the worst system, but it provides some different information. And in combination with it, I'm getting to a lot of math stuff there, but um, uh, there's, there's good historical ways and there's good regression ways and math ways to statistically uh, model what a, you know, a minimum bias uh, estimation is. And and I was actually going to ask, speaking of bias, like, Obviously, you have the numbers and it's mathematical, but you know you have players you like that maybe have done well for you in the past or players that have burned for you. Is it hard to kind of take away your personal feelings when creating this model? Uh, I mean, personal, personal feelings on the player? Yeah. Yeah. So the model doesn't care about feelings. You know, the <laughs> model doesn't, doesn't judge that. It, it takes you know, math uh, to do it. Um, whether I believe the model or not for a particular player, that may or may not be the case. I mean, projections are not without flaws. You know, mm-hmm. if there is a rookie, the, it doesn't really capture rookies that well. Rookies sometimes behave very differently in the majors and the minors. What if somebody has an injury that you don't know about or, the, the, or I should say the model doesn't know about? It's not going to reflect that. What if uh, something happened last year? I don't know. Um, I remember one year, Adam Dunn, his, I, I heard his daughter had cancer. He had a terrible year that year. He was so worried about it. The following year, models you know, thought, oh, I guess he's down and decline. But I knew that you know, I think there's a rebound because he was just down last year for other reasons that was not in the model. And I, I bid on Adam Dunn. He had 40 home runs that year. So you, know, you have to know what the blind spots of the models are. Uh, but no, the model is automated. I don't put feeling into the model. I don't put my favorite players. I put an algorithm there. 
So then I was, yeah, I was going to kind of build and, and then ask, but I guess you kind of answered that if your model spits out something that you disagree with, you don't go in and, and make a manual change to it. Like you said, with Adam Dunn and the cancer thing, the next year, if it's spitting out that he's going to do poorly and you think he's going to do better, you don't make some adjustments in the system to boost him a little bit. Yeah, the only change I'll make, though, is if I know in spring training, like uh, uh, because of the nature that I'm pulling data from other systems, there's a lag in the data. So if I know a player is hurt, well, I know a player is going to be sent to the minors, but the uh, at-bats don't reflect that. I will manually adjust that because that's information that's a lag. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't put my feeling of, you know, this guy's really a much better power hitter. I don't adjust that. Now, gotcha. when, I play, when I play fantasy, then I do adjust it, and then I calculate what, what I should pay off of that adjustment. But for the ATC projections, I don't want to do that, right? That makes sense. And again, that's why ATC has been one of the best over the last few years with pulling all these different projection systems and not putting feelings into it. And uh, no, I think it's great. And it's a, a very useful tool for a lot of fantasy players that are looking to not have, you know, 20 different projection systems that they're looking at and where some are going to be this and some are going to be that you have the average from all of them, which is and, and not only that, I'll, I'll add to that, you know, uh, besides the average that you get, I just introduced this year volatility metrics. And you can get what a standard deviation around the average is and what a skew is. You know, th- there's some projections for players that all the projections are really, really alike. Like they have 30 homers, 30 homers, 30 homers, 30 homers. That's a very low variance player. I'm more sure that that's his true value. There's like very little parameter risk. Different projections all agree. But for some players, uh, 20 stolen bases, 24 stolen bases, 18 stolen bases, 27, they're all over the place. For those, I indicate that this is a high-variance player. I give the standard deviation, and you know that there's a little bit more risk to, to the player profile. I also have something called skew. Skew is very interesting because for some players, you have a lot of projections around a certain point, but there's one lower. Uh, and that's pulling the average a little bit down, even though the bulk of projections are on top. That would be skewed. Uh, that would be skewed negative, right? Because you have that one outlier below. And it turns out that based on my studies that you can actually give more credit to a, a, a negatively skewed player that they'll actually outperform their projection because that one projection is probably wrong. Same thing on the flip side. If you have one outlier high, you can probably toss that and get a better projection. So you'll see a skewed positive result on ATC. Um, and you can even do better than just, it's not just an average you're getting. Now I'm giving you descriptive, you know, uh, how variable, how skewed it is, uh, how skewed are the projections. So there's a lot of good dimension you can get from doing an ATC method. And every little bit gives you an edge. And where can they find the ATC projections? The best place to find it is on Fangraphs. Uh, if you go to the uh, Fangraphs main site, there's a projections tab on the top. Scroll down and just select ATC. I love it. And just just to put it in context, if I were to say after we finish recording, you know what? I'm going to make a projection system. How long would that take me to do? Assuming that I have your level of intelligence, how long would it take me? I mean, uh, to, to make your own standalone projection system, you can do it right away. Question is, well, how good will it be? Uh, you know um yeah i mean you know if you know what you're doing and you know how to uh, relate things and you get uh, the i mean the best way to differentiate yourself in a projection system is to get some data that's meaningful but nobody else knows about Mm -hmm. it's hard to get but it's out there you never know well i do want to look into your projections a little bit because we're going to talk about players in the second halves 
go, you know, now that we're in the second half of the season with these second half predictions, and obviously you can't predict injuries. You had Trout and Acuna near the top of your hitter projections, of course, and, and those guys obviously are not going to reach it because of injuries. But someone I did want to point out, actually a couple guys, Juan Soto right now in his 55% ground ball rate, you have him finishing near 39 home runs that your model spit out. Do you think that that is going to right itself over the course of the season, or do you feel that this might kind of be a low power season for Juan Soto? Yeah, I mean, with, with Juan Soto, um, yeah, I've noticed the same thing with his ground ball rate. In fact, actually, recently in July, his ground ball rate went all the way up to 63%, which is terrible. Um, yeah, you know, uh, his homer to fly ball rate has been up this month, but down overall for the year. His exit velocity has been up this year. Um, if you're looking at him in, in, in totality, I think that last year was probably an outlier high. I don't think he's really a 40 homer hitter, even though the ATC projection said so. Um, he had a 36 homer to fly ball ratio last year, which is very high for him. He, he's much, much further down. So I think he's probably closer to about a 30 home run level type player. Um, and most other projection systems rest of season forward agree. So I, I think he hits, let's call it 14 to 16 homers uh, for the rest of the season. So he, he won't quite make that 39 homer projection. It'll probably end up closer somewhere in the uh, in the 20s. And I know he was talking about that the home run derby he thinks is going to spark him to be able to start getting that launch angle up and hitting the ball in the air a little bit more. So hopefully the Juan Soto Oders can see uh, that type of second half from him. Another guy that I saw that was towards the top of your model here was Christian Yelich, who right now you had projected about 35 home runs. I don't know if it's his back. I don't know if it's just that you know, the rest of the lineup not being great around him. He's pressing um, him or is there anybody else in your model? that you obviously predicted that you think is going to have a big second half? Yeah, I mean, uh, with with Yelich, it, it, it's so disappointing. I mean, uh, I think everybody projected him for something great. Uh, the, the funny thing, you know, he's, eating, he's hitting 241 this year, but he also has a 342 BABIP. A 342 BABIP is typically somebody who is extremely lucky. Like the 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 theory behind BABIP, for those who don't know, is a bat, it means batting average on balls in play. And the idea is, um, you know, you can't really control that much on if the ball goes in play. If it's not a homer, or it's not a a strikeout. You know, usually just by chances, you know, it'll 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 get a hit. 30% of the time. You, you, the batting, your batting average should be 300. Now, if you're a little bit faster player, you have a little more speed, you'll beat out some ground balls. So maybe your batting average of balls in play should be 320, right? If you're a slow guy, maybe it's 280. But the major league average is around 300. <laughs> Yelich is, is right now 342, which would generally mean it's lucky. So if, if, if your BABIP is higher than that 300, if you're not fast, it generally means that you're very lucky. Like mm-hmm. you've been the ball's been finding the holes, and that's why you're batting average. So it's one statistic I use to see whether a person's lucky. If you have a 210 BABIP, it means you've been very unlucky. Your balls have just been going right to the third baseman, right to the second baseman, uh, and it's not really your fault. You should expect better play. 342 usually would mean he's very lucky, but his career BABIP has been 354. So he's a fast guy who gets on. So actually, he has been unlucky according to his own worth. Um, you know, I, I, with with Yelich, he's not the player anymore that he was in 2018 to 2019. You know, you mentioned the injuries. I can't tell you exactly if that's it. My guess is it, it, it hinders it some somewhat. Um, rest of season, I'm projecting 12 homers, let's say. I think he's more of a 25 homer player this the, uh, these days, which actually is what he did in the first half. He had 12 homers. 
Uh, so I, I think you're pretty much going to get more of the same, probably a little bit better batting average. Will he steal? I don't know. That all depends on, on his health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's what I would say about him. He's been such a frustrating player over the last couple seasons. You know, when he broke out, he was winning people leagues. And then the last couple of years, I think people have been really drafting him, you know, end of the first round, second round, hoping for similar production. And it's been really weighing down fantasy teams. I know Doc's in that in that uh, situation right now. Yeah, where- call me out. um i am also curious obviously you do pitching as well on the pitching side you have aaron nola with a mid threes era for this season which actually lines up with his fip right now uh even though his era is in the mid fours you also have patrick corbin with a sub four era and uh about a k per nine per inning i want to start on those two guys first do you see second halves for those guys to have them kind of bring their ERAs down and stabilize to what you expect of them? Or do you think that they're not the pitcher that we expected beginning of the season? Yeah. Uh, different stories with, with the different pitchers. Um, I mean, Aaron Nola, uh, I, I, we mentioned the BABIP, his BABIP is three thirty one. So for hitters, a high BABIP would mean lucky for pitchers. A high BABIP means unlucky. The balls are 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 being it, but it 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 could it could mean unlucky, or it also could mean that your defense stinks, right? If your defense doesn't make your plays, then it'll also increase the BABIP. Happens to be that Philadelphia is a very crappy uh, fielding team. They have committed the tenth most errors in baseball this season. So I would actually say that the you know his expected BABIP should be a little bit higher than three hundred. Um, but yeah, he's been a little bit unlucky. I mean, uh, if you look at some of the uh, estimator metrics like. Uh, FIP or Sierra, they show uh, a mid to low threes ERA. I think going forward, you can predict somewhere between uh, three and a half, maybe three, seven ERA going forward. I, I don't worry about Nola. Nola is top notch. His strikeout rate this year is fantastic. It's, it's uh, almost 30%, which is what higher than he's actually been doing his whole career. Um, so I, I don't worry about him. Patrick Corbin is interesting because he's somebody that um, I, I my model actually pro- projected better than most others. I was surprised because I do not like Patrick Corbin. He's one of the players that I look at him and I say, uh, I don't want to draft him. You know, his last year, his swing strike rate went from 15 percent down to 10 percent. It was 15 percent in his good days and then 10 percent. That's a big drop in swinging strike rate. Um, and I think that I thought that going to this year that foretold a story of the league is catching to him. You know, Patrick Corbin is a guy that he changed his picks pitch mix. He, his best pitch was the slider and he's, and he basically decided, you know what? My slider is good. Let's just throw more of it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I often use the word, uh, the term Corbinize to mean when you have something good, just keep doing it. But um, I think that the league might've caught up to the pitch mix. I think the league might recognize him too much and probably caught on to <laughs> Some technical uh, issues there. Yeah, I don't. I guess Streamyard's acting weird, but right. um, but uh, I was saying that uh, you know they probably caught up to him, and uh, they're not being fooled as much. I mean, on uh, his his uh, O contact rate is up, so people are actually hitting his outside pitches. Um, so you know, Corbin, whatever the projections say, I would give it a, a tad higher. Will he be a five ERA guy? Probably not, but you're going to have a, a higher than a four ERA guy for the rest of the season. And his, his whip is terrible. If you play Roto, it's just a, a whip that you do not want to use. So I, I have no interest in, in rostering Patrick Corbin. No, well, I, I think I it's kind of interesting. And, and this isn't Patrick Corbin related, but well, I was watching the All-Star game the other day and when they mic'd up Freddie Freeman, 
and they're saying, oh, who am I going to face in the bottom in the second? And they're like, oh, you're going to face Kyle Gibson. He's like, oh, man, I've never seen his, his stuff. Like, I don't know what to expect. And I feel like Patrick Corbin playing in the NL his entire career with the Diamondbacks and then with the Nationals, people have seen his stuff multiple times, especially that slider, if you know the movement or if you know exactly right. kind of the speed variances he has. So I feel like pitchers that are hitters that have seen him multiple times throughout the years now are starting to catch up because he's facing the same guys over and over. Well, that's, that's the, the debate of, you know, if you have a very long matchup history between hitters and pitchers, who does the advantage go? Is it pitch? Is it hitters because you can recognize pitchers or is it pitchers because you know how to get the guy out, right? There's a debate. Um, I, I haven't seen any evidence uh, of anything strong either way. I've seen many examples of pitcher gains and the hitter gains. I would think that it would help the hitters more, especially a pitcher who's a little bit further along in his career. Like Patrick Corbin's already 31 years old, so you know he's getting he's getting a little bit up there. Um, but yeah, that, that's the age old debate uh, as to whether certainly if you've never seen a guy uh, for the first time, that might be a problem because you don't know what to guess. And I you know, like player like Joey Joey Votto do so well because he's thinking every pitch. I can get the fastball. I can get the curveball. He, you can even see him talking to himself. And it's about guessing what they're going to throw. And if you know what they're going to throw, you have a good idea. You have a much better chance of getting a hit. Certainly, if you've never seen somebody's stuff, uh, I would think it'd be much harder to hit the ball. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, with Patrick Corbin, I was also wondering, I wrote an article in the offseason, and I said if, if that velocity stays down you know, at 89, 90, that he's, the speed difference between his slider and his fastball is only going to work. It's going to yeah. make it a lot harder for him. And right. I think that was what people were also scared of this offseason going into it. And again, he's had some flashes, but it's definitely scary. So I think for right now, we definitely are uh, out on Patrick Corbin. Let's uh, let's talk about somebody that Doc foreshadowed. Let's talk about Kyle Gibson, who you have do. And again, this is obviously before the season started. But according to your projection before the season, you have big regression coming for him. Do you think that's going to hold up to where... Uh, he will turn into that pitcher? Or do you think that cutter, even though it has not been good, is enough to variable his pitch mix and keep the hitters guessing enough where he can sustain this the whole season? I mean, certainly he's not going to finish with a 2-2-9 ERA uh, that he's been doing. Uh, that's not going to happen. Um, the strikeout rate is, is is really been the same the past couple of years. So, uh, you know, those, those strikeouts, and he's not a f- fantastically great strikeout pitcher. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, he's got 88 strikeouts in 102 innings, which is not, Superb, right? It, it's okay. Uh, that's going to stay where it is. Um, and in terms of uh, the walks, he's actually been uh, been he's actually been walking less players this year. He his uh, walk rate in the past has been eight nine, and he's trimmed it down below eight it's to seven. So you know he's not putting on as many people. Um, he's doing the same thing he's been doing. Really, he's getting a little bit lucky with the Babbitt. His Babbitt is two fifty four, and again, that's very lucky. Um, so you're, you're going to have that. The other, I'll mention, I'll mention another luck statistic, uh, something called a strand rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so for pitchers and, uh, forget about the complications of how to, how to calculate it, but you know, for runners given up, there's a certain percentage of runners that score, right? You, you know, it, sometimes you leave one person on base, two people on base. Sometimes they score the, the about 75% of runners are, are, uh, stranded on base. They, they don't come home. They get on base, but they don't come home. Um, if your strand rate is pretty low for a pitcher, that means that you're randomly giving up more hits. They're stringing hits against you. It's not random. If your strand rate is high, it means you're super s- splitting them up. Uh, his strand rate is pretty high. It's at 84%, which is 10% above the league average. 
so you're going to see more runners, more hits being strung together. Uh, you'll see that come through. You'll see more hits in general because his Babbitt is low. So I do not believe in Kyle Gibson for that. If I had to pick, would I would I pick a, a, a four four eight two ERA, which is what ATC had beginning of the season? No, but uh, I think we're talking somewhere between four and a quarter and four and a half going forward. Like I don't have the confidence in him in doing that. But right. kudos to him, and and you know, and, and he does have length, right? He does pitch a lot of innings. Mm-hmm. So the good thing about him, I, I said bad, but the good thing about him is. He, he gives you length of innings. I mean, he's he's gotten to uh, over 150 innings plenty of times in his career. Uh, he's gotten almost to 200 innings. Uh, he got like 194 or higher three times his career. Um, in today's day and age, um, the pitchers with the more innings per start, they are going to stay in longer, and they have the chance to win games. Like The longer you stay in, if your team is ahead and you're pitching, you can get a win. So for rotisserie leagues, that have wins as a possibility, much, much better. For points leagues, he's actually really good. He's much better than than you would think because um, a lot of uh, um, innings count towards points, right? Uh, um, just If you actually just took pitchers in a points league that pitched a lot of innings, you'd be doing great. Last year, Lance Lynn led the league in innings. You know who number two was? It was Herman Marquez. In all my points leagues, I've drafted Herman Marquez because he gives you the length, he gives you the inning. So Kyle Gibson will give you that. So he is good for a lot of situations, but just don't expect the earned runs to just stay this low. That's just not happening. And you would, if you have Kyle Gibson on your team and you're in any type of league that does trades, you would try to trade him right now if you could. I mean, you know, it, it depends on what you can get. If you think you can get somebody worth uh, worth uh, more in a trade, sure. I mean, uh, you know, trading is difficult. He's probably somebody that you'd have to package with somebody. Oh, and by the way, I'll give you a pitching upgrade, Kyle Gibson, to somebody else. And where, you know, you're per- they're perceiving it as a pitching upgrade where it's not, uh, you know. Uh, I like the, 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 yes. the terminology of it. They sell them on it with that. I like it. Um, let's talk about the last thing we'll get to in this main segment here. Let's talk about your three bold predictions for the second half. It's nothing to do with your projection system, nothing to do with, you know, first halves necessarily, but in your gut, what are three bold predictions you think are going to happen in the second half? Uh, we're talking for fantasy or anything in baseball or, or maybe some of both. Uh, we could, let's say, um, people, I guess, listen mostly for fantasy. So that, but if you have a, a just baseball one in general, you really want to say you can definitely use that as well. Okay, Sure. I'll do a little bit of both. So uh, let's let's do uh, I'm a Met fan. So let's do Edwin Diaz. Uh, I think Edwin Diaz ends up as the major saves leader. That's my bold prediction. Ooh, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, he's uh, Melanson. Everybody's on top of him, but uh, you know Diaz is is the guy. He's going to be there all year. Mets are a good team. Um, he has not given up a home run all season. His BABIP is, has been 350, which is incredibly high for a pitcher. Um, I think he stays with the job, locks it down, and even gets better as, as we get on. So uh, I'll that's my number one uh, bold prediction. Edwin Diaz finishes the season as the uh, the leader in saves. Um, let's, do a, let's do a trade one. All right, I'm a Mets fan, so let's do this. Uh, <laughs> two, I boldly predict that two of the next three people and I, and I uh, will will be on uh, on the Mets by the end of the season traded. And I'll attribute this bold prediction to my uh, podcast partner, Ruven Guy, uh, Chris Bryant, Craig Kimbrell, Kyle Hendricks. I predict that the Cubs will trade at least two of the three to the Mets. Wow. Okay. Who do the Mets give up in return? Uh, probably Ronnie Mauricio and maybe Alvarez. We'll see. 
Okay. Al- you think Alvarez would be in that deal? I mean, I've just heard nothing well, about Alvarez all weekend. I mean, if you're signing Bryant and Hendricks, what are you what are you gonna you know, catching prospects are so fickle and the Mets yeah. just signed McCann to a four year deal. So, you know, if you're talking a window of four years, I mean, don't you know, use that to get who you need to win now. Uh so I can see that happening. And Mauricio, um, the Mets are gonna trade him eventually because they have a shortstop in Lindor who they've been paying for the next ten years. So he's gonna be in a trade sometime. Might as well do it and get some really good guns. I like it. No, I, I could see that happening. Uh, you're right with the the four year thing with McCann and, and Lindor there. Yeah, I mean, and it would take good prospects to get. I, I know um, Chris Bryant's a free agent after this year, but isn't Hendricks signed for a decent, like not too expensive salary over the next couple of years? Yeah. So, like one of the one of the things that the Mets got when they signed Lindor, uh, when they traded for Lindor, I should say, is they got Carrasco, who also you know comes in at a decent salary for the next couple of years. So the Mets like that trade. It's not just a rental. But you're also getting something in the package, and you know you're you're willing to trade the uh, the, the you're you're willing to trade the um, uh, the prospect, but you're getting something in return. Right. No, I, I like it. I could see it. What about what's your third one? Uh, well, let's do um, let's do a couple of uh, of uh, team ones that okay. uh, you know for for the year. Uh, how about the Brewers win the pennant? I have the Reds winning the division. That's that's one of mine. We'll have to see about that. Four games behind, they can do it. The Brewers have the pitching, that's for sure. I mean, can you imagine if you play them in the playoffs, you got to face Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta in a series? Like, that's nuts. Correct, correct, correct. So when you get to the playoffs, does your fifth starter matter? No. So, you know, if if you're talking about win expectancy in a playoff game, it's going to be higher for the Brewers. So once the Brewers get to the playoffs, I think they have a better chance than anyone because their top of the rotation is so fantastic. Their closer is fantastic. Their hitting has been disastrous this year, but that's going to regress up. Yelich, maybe he'll turn it around. Uh, Kane, he'll get healthier. Maybe they'll make a trade and get a bat. They just did make a trade and get Rowdy to Les. You never know. Uh, I think that, that, that because of all those ingredients, I, I'm going to give a slight edge to the Brewers uh, to do that. And uh, I'll also predict that the Athletics will win the AL West. I think Houston will collapse, or at least not collapse, uh, to, to miss out in the playoffs, they'll at least collapse and lose the division. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, it does seem like that they're playing way over. I mean, Houston's a good team, but they are on some type of streak right now. So it does seem like they got to come crashing down to earth at some point, especially because their pitching hasn't been great. I mean, Granke just, you know, just got hurt. Frimber Valdez is starting to get lit up recently. I love Luis Garcia, but you know he's going to probably be on an innings limit. So I mean, there's there's definitely some questions in that rotation for some kind of regression there. So I I like that call. Um, Bang on the trash can, uh, I'll be right. Yeah. <laughs> can I get one of my bowl predictions? Yeah, I was going to say, oh, Doc, if you have, uh, go ahead. You can spit some of yours if you got them. And you know what? I, mine are going to be quick. I have the Reds winning the division. They're four games behind the Brewers right now. Luis Castillo has been pitching well. They have very good hitting. I think Roldis Chapman loses his closer job. He's given up burn runs in four out of his last six outings in that time. 4.1 innings pitch. Is that that bold though? I mean, they've, it's been heavily talked about the Yankees. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's was viewed well, as a dominant consider, closer. What do you consider bold? 
I, I mean, like, I feel like it's a bold prediction. So for All me, right, well, I think right, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you my last one, which I think. Oh, is go ahead, good. Trey Turner hits for the cycle, giving him four in his career, which is the most ever for an MLB player. I like that. I like that. I that like one's. That. I mean, t- that'd be a second in the season, which is definitely a lot. So, um, I, I the Chapman thing. Yeah. For me, with it being like a bold, and maybe you guys differ, is something that I haven't heard anywhere. I've been here. I mean, you turn on MLB Network, you listen to other podcasts. People float that idea around. Some of us don't have cable, David. Okay, we don't hear <laughs> it on MLB Network. I mean, it, it's bold in the sense that of you know, it's Chapman guys and. The Yankees, he always does this every year. There's some rough patch. I just had uh, catcher Devin Mazzarocco on my show the other day, and he caught him, and he's like, guys, you know, don't worry about Chapman. He does this every year. He'll get right, you know. Um, you know, I talk about the bold, and, you know, I always write an article beginning of the year called Bold Predictions, and my definition is 10 to 30% likely. Like, if you do anything, you know, better than that, then if you do something that, that's a more of a probable chance, that's not bold enough. So Chapman losing the closer job, I don't know. I think that's like 50-50 or it's it's 40% or something. So maybe that's a little bit too much. But, like, some of the ones that I gave with, uh, this trade will happen, that's probably even too bold. I mean, that's like a 5% chance, 3% chance. I, two guys actually traded on it. I mean, that's crazy if I get that right. Uh, but, you know, you're the sweet spot. I, I like the Trey Turner one. That's I like that. That that's really awesome. That's Thank good. I, I feel like you gotta uh you gotta tweet out that Mets Cubs trade and then if it does hit, you can quote tweet it and be like, Yeah. Yeah. I said it's funny, this. I, I wrote an article last year and I made one prediction as to the World Series and I said it's gonna be the Dodgers over the Rays in six games. I actually wrote that in an article and, and there you go. <laughs> wow. Uh that's called it's called being lucky, not not good. <laughs> but I mean, hey, you know what? That's when you can take your victory laps, even if it's luck. It's like you still called it regardless. So uh, I love it. I love it. Well, let's get to the bold part of the next segment here, the next part of the show. And that's going to be our question of the week. All right. So our question can of the week. you play that again? That was fun. That was fun. Hey, you wanted the, uh, the Inception music? Hold yeah, on. Yeah, play it again. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bold noise for a bold segment. Uh, our question of the week, of course, is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest growing sports betting site in the United States. Use promo code Triple Play and get up to $50 of your deposit match when you become a new user and you use that code. Uh, Doc, I'm assuming you and Brad at some point are going to start doing the shows again at some point. Bro, let me get a house first and I'll be good. Yeah, it's okay. going to happen soon. <laughs> some point, the shows will be back. They give you their picks to uh, for some of the gaming landscape picks there. Uh, so our question this week, Doc, came up with, which player do you wish participated in the Home Run Derby but didn't? So I will throw a twist in here. You can either do this year or just in general, if there's somebody in the past, that like people about LeBron and the dunk contest that never happened. So if there's a player like that that you also want to throw in, you can as well. So Ariel, you're the guest. We'll go to you first. Who's that player for you? Well, first of all, uh, Eric, what what is um, what is the uh, the flag in the back? What's the significance it's, of that? It's Colorado. Uh, one of my roommates, his parents live there, so you know. Eric is currently we, in be- in between leases, so he's been crashing on his couch. <laughs> until, no, no, until I got I got a bed week. now. But we also have Maryland next to it, so we're representing two states. All right. That, that I I just had to, I've been staring at this. Uh, all, all, <laughs> Eric, Eric, show, show, uh, show Ariel your uh, the other flag that you have. 
Is the Maryland one? No, no, no. The, where's the uh, the Israel flag? Oh, it's down in the basement. Um, our our one of our best friends is Jewish, so we put two of his uh, like funny pictures he has on the Israel flag. Um, it's one of the best gifts ever. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, Israel's in the Olympics, so you can't discount them for baseball, right? Yeah, um, that's true. Not bad. Uh, all right, so who do I want in the Herman Derby? Well, I mean, from from real players that are really, I mean, Vlad. Why well, was Vlad in the uh, in the home run derby this year? Um, you know, he 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 had a crazy showing two years ago. And if I had to pick somebody else to compete, why not Vladimir Guerrero Senior? Let's Ooh. see, junior versus senior, right? Like I I can do that, right? Why not? Yeah. Uh, so so uh, let let's those are my two that I'd like to see compete head to head, and we'll we'll throw in uh, we'll throw in Griffey. Uh, I just, I mean, he's done it before, but. Um, there's nobody who better represented the backwards cap and made that a thing all of his own. And, you know, and Griffey is not a guy who's showy, flashy, you know, uh, I'm cool. He, I'm sorry. He, he is cool. He just played it, played it there, made it his thing. Didn't make a big deal. And he struts around and, and just such a modest person, uh, love Griffey, love everything about him. And, uh, so, uh, let's, let's go with those three competing. I'm taking from this segment that they need to make a senior home run derby and have retired yeah. players that want to hit in it can do yeah, a bring, senior bring derby. In, they bring can have the fence a little bit. And, bring in the fin- and, bring in the fence a little bit, like they do with the celebrity game. Oh uh, yeah, can I say something about that? That is the most unwatchable hour of <laughs> television of the entire year. Like, um, uh, I'd rather watch Teletubbies, you know. <laughs> and, and Teletubbies, if you ever watched it, which I have no idea why I did. Uh, I guess I had kids or something. But uh, Teletubbies, they do a whole segment. And then they repeat the entire segment, like they have like ten minutes worth of video, and then they repeat the entire ten minute stretch of video back to back. I don't understand why any kid of any age wouldn't be like, "What the heck is this?" Already, like, <laughs> but I would rather watch that same segment four times than watch that celebrity tournament. I mean, I, listen, I, 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 my baseball team can beat DJ Metcalf and 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 whoever they face that 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 day. That that there's a pop up right here. And they're just looking, and it just falls right in front of them. And that happened like twenty-five times. Like, did, didn't really. DK Metcalf strike out two times? Yes, right. I mean, uh, you know, maybe I strike out twice in a season, and that's with straight fast pitching. I, I, I can't <laughs> fathom why anybody want wants to watch this. They really made such a joke of this, and and then they have the Miz, who's not even playing, not even playing. And what the hell is he doing there? He's not playing. He's just there to <laughs> to to. to cause confusion like it's not it's a wwe match it's not a uh it's not a baseball game so you can get rid of that espn please i love it well again get rid of that have retired players come back for a uh a modified home run derby have vlad senior have like uh adam dunn paul canerco like like i would love to see all these guys come back see if they could still hit love it love it um doc what about you do you have a pick so I know that he wouldn't have wanted. I would have loved to see Nelson Cruz compete this year. Just father, the guy that defies father time going into a competition with all these young people and just having the stamina to beat them, I feel like would have been amazing. But I know there's no way he would have done it. I'm going to throw a name in here that I have to give credit to um, uh, who was on last week. Um, it was uh, uh, um, Josh St. Marie, UT streamer. And he threw this name out there. And I want to throw this name again. Chris Carter. The oh, Chris, yeah. <laughs> Chris, v, Chris V. Carter? Or Chris the, W. Uh, Carter? Or the, the one that Chris struck Carter. out like 40% of the time or whatever oh, it was. Chris, yeah, Chris V. Carter, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, someone that strikes out that much, I would just love to see them in a in a home run derby just to see how well they do because they don't have to worry about missing the pitch and just that much power. Just take a guy that has like a forty percent strikeout rate, or sort you know, more realistically, someone like a high thirty percent strikeout rate, and throw them in the home run derby where they don't have to worry about missing, and then see how well they do. I think that you would know be what awesome. I'd like to see. I'd like to see a pitching derby where you know you take you take like like and they, they have this you know uh, in in between innings in uh, in minor league games. Actually, I got my son to, to to get up on the field and they have like a whole cardboard thing and they have like a, a circle here and if you throw the ball in the circle, you you know you win the prize. They should do that. They should have like a strike zone and like literally you you know they put up a circle here and the pitcher has to hit that and you see how many you know you give him ten shots and. See how many he gets through, and and then you have the same competition. Why not with pitching, right? It's a, it's like a skills competition. They have it in hockey where you, know, you got to shoot a certain part of the uh, the goal. They should do the same thing. I like it. You know what? I'm taking from all this conversation. I think we could rewrite the All Star Weekend and make it a, a lot better than let's what it is be, right now. Let's just be the new commissioners instead of Manfred. Yeah, you couldn't do much yeah. worse. <laughs> Well, you could do worse, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that uh, that I might do better. Uh, listen, uh, it's better than the All-Star game ending in a tie. I remember that year with Bud Sillard coming on the field, and that's it. We're going to stop playing, and that was just horrific. That's, yeah. I mean, I remember sure. the days where I, – I'm old enough to remember the days where guys who started finished the game. I remember Tony Gwynn going five for five in the All-Star game, and he stayed in the whole game, and he won it in the 10th inning. Like, that, that's dedication. It's a real game to some people, you know? Yeah, no, it's because you never see anybody get more than like two at bats before all the subs yeah. start coming in. So it's like whoever hits the only, or whoever hits the the game winning home run is the one that gets it, or whoever pitches and gets the win uh, in a, like a one zero game gets the, the I'm, MVP. I'm fine with pitchers going three four innings. Like why not? I I, I want to see a real game. I don't just want to see a bunch of smattering of players in here. I like to see good competition, uh, and I like to have the NL win. I mean, it, it, it's crazy how many times the the AL has beaten the NL in this competition that theoretically should be should be uh, even, right? I wrote it down last week. It was something ridiculous. Like I think the AL has won like twenty two of the last like twenty five or twenty six times. It's something crazy like that. It's yeah. it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, but let's yeah. get to the last segment of the night or the afternoon. I'm just saying the night. Of the afternoon, and it's going to be the game of the week. It's time to do, 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 do. All right. So Doc is hosting the game this week. So Ariel, me and you are going head to head. If I'm, I'm letting you know if I win, this is going on my resume. So oh my god, you most yeah. overused line of David. <laughs> so go ahead, Doc. What uh, what are we playing? So. It, this is this game is going to be all star themed edition, and it's something that we've done a lot of times. It's kind of that leading off concept from Stump the Schwab. So I'm going to give you a topic. For example, you know the last ten guys to bat lead off for the AL in the All Star game. That's not one, but you guys would take turns naming whoever gets one wrong first or repeats an answer is out. Um, I have four and then a tiebreaker. So if somebody gets to three first, the game is over. Sound good? All right. Dear Lord, I'm going to lose this one. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. So, the, the, so the first one, name the last eight different players to win the home run derby. And Dave, we're going to start with you. All right. The last eight. So I'll start with Pete Alonzo. All right. He's won the most two recent. I, I don't have to name him in a row, right? No, no. You can just name one person that's won in the last eight. And I'll give you a hint. It dates back to 2011. So between 2011 hey, and to yeah, now, yeah. there have been. Eight different ones. Okay, okay. I I know a couple of oddball ones, so I'll save. Uh, I'll do uh, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge won in twenty seventeen. Back to David. 
Uh, I will say Justin Morton. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't, I didn't finish the sentence. He, eh. won, he won before 2011. Uh, I will say um, um, five, four, three, two, <laughs> one. Cody All Bellinger. Right. Incorrect. Cody Ariel, do you have no. one? Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper oh, won 2018. Cespedes twice. Cespedes twice. Yep. Cespedes. Yep. Uh, I, I, I remember um, Todd Frazier winning. That was the first one they had with Todd, the format. Todd Frazier, Stanton, Fielder, and Cano. Stanton. Oh, I was actually thinking okay. Stanton. So you know what? Ariel, you're, you're, uh, you're like in White Man Can't Jump when you act like that you're really bad at basketball. And then all of a sudden when you get on the court, you're just tearing it up. Right? You're like, oh, I'm going to lose these games. And you have all eight of them listed in your head. I, I, I happen to know this one. But, but I, I, remember, I remember all the guys since the new format started. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So the next one, we're going to go to teams or ballparks that have hosted it. So the last eight recent cities, team names, ballparks, whatever you want to name to host the All-Star game. So, Ariel, we'll start with you on this one. Okay, and I can name Colorado? Yeah. Okay, Colorado. All right, David, to you. Washington. There you go, Washington in 2018. Field. No? I'm sorry, do you, can you repeat it? City Field. Yep, City Field in 2013. Yes. Uh, didn't the Dodgers host it recently? The Dodgers did not. What? So Ariel Padres has, hosted? Padres? It was Padres in 2016. Yep. The other ones, the <laughs> Indians, the Indians held it in 2019. Right. The Marlins in 2017. The oh, Reds right, in 2015. Right. Dude, I'm surprised you didn't say the Twins. They had it in 2014. Oh, you're right. I, I forgot about that. I, if you, I thought about it, I would have been able to think of them. All right. So Ariel is too. If he wins this next category, the game is over. David, right. we're starting with you. It's the last eight pitchers to start an all-star game for the AL. I'll give you a hint. <laughs> the most recent one is this year, and it dates back to 2010. Okay. Go for it. Yeah, I get this one first. Shohei Otani. Otani, most recent. Ariel, do you? I'm going to gamble on Zach Granke did. Zach Granke did not. Ah. So... David wins that category. Some that. other ones, Verlander in 2019, Chris Sale, 2018, 2017, and 2016, Dallas Keuchel, Felix Hernandez, Max Scherzer, Jared Weaver, and David oh, Price. Okay. So oh, two to I one. get shut out. That's what we wanted. Now we're going to the NL side. So it goes from this year, obviously 2021, dating back to 2011. Ariel, you're first. Okay, let's go with Kershaw. Kershaw. Surprisingly, has not started. Really? Oh, I yeah. was going to say him. Oh man! Oh, should I, I, should I have Scherzer? Scherzer. I, I should have picked Scherzer, right? <laughs> David, are you saying Scherzer? Yeah, I'm actually, he started this year. <laughs> yep. So Scherzer is the answer. The other ones: uh, Ryu in 2019, Johnny Cueto 2016, Zach Greinke did it for the NL in 2015, <laughs> Adam Wainwright, <laughs> Matt Harvey, Matt Kane. And Roy Holiday. So we're at two oh, wow. to two now. Surprise that Kershaw never did it. He's been the best pitcher in I, He seemed like the biggest easy one in the bank. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I, I would have gone with who who threw it most recent. So this is what we're gonna do for a tiebreaker. Is I, you guys need to name one of the last eight 
or the, the last seven all-star game MVPs because I'm not going to say Vlad Jr. So we have seven different players from 2012 to 2019 that have won an all-star game MVP. So what I'm going to have you do, I'm going to tell you the positions that they've played and you have to buzz in and whoever gets one right first wins the game. Sound good? And you just buzz in okay. with your name. Yep, you buzz in with your name. So I'm going to tell you the positions. But buzz in how? What are, I just, just, say, just, you just say your name, and you'll. Yep. Uh, you'll, you'll but but I'm going to tell you. Okay. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you the positions they've played first. Okay. First base, pitcher. Alf. All right, Ariel. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, I can name a first baseman. Yeah, one that is as, but now it's not Vlad Jr. So an All Star Game Prince, MVP. Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder did not win an All-Star Game MVP in the Ooh, last seven. So that, all right. Uh, really? So, so David, you get the, the opportunity to hear the rest because I didn't finish. So what? we have first base. We have pitcher. We have outfield. We I'll have another pitcher, first base. Pitcher, did Madison Bumgarner win it? He did not. Oh, so dang. it is back open. I'll, let me finish. So we have a first base, a pitcher. All right, I, got, I got the other one. First base. Eric okay. Cosmer. <laughs> Eric Cosmer won in 2016 oh, with the Royals. Oh, my God. The Ariel... Wins the game. The other ones, Shane Bieber in 2019. Bregman Trout, the year before. Trout was a couple times. Trout in 2013 and 2014. Robinson Cano, the cheater in 2017. <laughs> Rivera in 2013. And Miguel Cabrera in 2012. I should have thought of Rivera because it was in New York and he won it the year in New York because he closed the game. I should have thought of that. That's, but that's why I didn't say relief pitcher because that would have been way too obvious. You're right. You're pitcher. right. Well, I will give Ariel his... his I was going to. I thought I was going to make this comeback and give him one of the worst losses in triple play. Gosh, I love that you just ripped David's heart out. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, But on that note, we are going to close out the show. Ariel, I want to thank you again so much for coming on tonight. It was, or again, this afternoon. I'm so used to saying tonight. It was an absolute blast for us. So we really appreciate your time. Oh, uh, my my pleasure. This was a lot of fun, guys. Thank you so much. Of course. And uh, anything you would like to plug to our audience before you go, you know, anything you're working on, anything that, you know, writing, podcasting, any of that good stuff? Yeah, uh, you can check out our uh, Beat the Shift podcast. Um, it's on Fangraphs. Uh, you can get it on any podcast aggregator, Beat the Shift. We just had on um, uh, Howard Johnson last night uh, talking about, uh, uh, you know, Dave of the Mets and a lot of assorted things. Check check that out. And uh, we do a lot of great fantasy stuff. We had Rob Silver on the night before. Uh, great fantasy discussion. We had Paul Spore, Justin Mason the week before. A lot of great guests planned for the next uh, coming uh, coming weeks. Uh, so check that out and uh, all my stuff over at Fangraphs. Yep. That's perfect. He's a great follow. He's a great dude in general. Make sure you follow one of the smartest guys in the fantasy baseball industry. That is Ariel Cohen. Next week, we're going to be doing some more fun baseball discussion with Al Melchior, who is a returning guest. Very great guy. It should be a fun show. Until then, everyone stay safe out there. Enjoy another week of baseball. And we're going to make like a bread truck and all these buns. <laughs>